the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck.
I'm Dave Hawkins. There is a lot coming up on The Antidote, so I won't spend much time talking here in the studio because we'll meet with not one, but two bands. At the half-hour mark of the show, we're joined by the new Face Down Records hardcore artist Deathbreaker with their debut release, Disconnect. But first, we get into the non-typical post-hardcore style of Harm, who gave us Until It All Means Nothing as our opener. And here's the first part of our conversation with Harm. We have a pair of the band members of Harm here on The Antidote, Billy and Andrew Clower. Thanks for being able to meet. No problem. We're going to bump Andrew out of the picture here for a minute because I have a question for you, Billy. Okay. Now, it's obvious that you're in charge of the band. Does that make Andrew and the other band members upset because they're only there to support you? <laughs> Honestly, I think it's um it's a lot more collaborative, especially with the writing. Um, I do do most of the lyrics and the vocals, um, but I know like Andy's actually kind of more of our manager type aspect. Um, behind the scenes, he does a lot more than I do. And then I try to do more of the networking and like, at shows try to you know be the social one so i think it kind of balances out so i don't think there's a whole lot of jealousy with that so but you still keep them under control right yeah i i do <laughs> i'm the mom of the group <laughs> <laughs> well seriously though what about filling us in about who else is in the band so we have winston is our drummer and then we have ernest um he originally started as playing bass with us and then we switched him over to guitar so and he's been um, a big part of the writing process recently, too, which is really awesome to have him on board with that. You used to be called Broken Harmonics, but for your current release, The Quiet Life EP, you've taken on a new band name, Harm. Why would you want to rebrand yourself? Uh, Billy just nudged me to answer this question. We came up with the name Broken Harmonics probably like, four years ago when Billy and I were just writing like acoustic stuff. And I don't know, for whatever reason, like just looking back, we thought the name was kind of dumb and a lot of people couldn't remember our name when we were playing, but everybody called us bro harm. And we felt (laughs) had like a weird connotation to it. Like bro harm. is just like a weird, like, are we harming people? (laughs) But we just thought it, why don't we just shorten our name? Like people are already calling us bro harm. So let's just change it to harm. And it really kind of like caught on a little bit more. And a lot of people were like, it's easy. Like there's still a piece of the name in there. So people can kind of still identify that it's us. Also having the redhead singer in the pictures kind of helps that, oh yeah, because there's not many of us around here. (laughs) Uh, But we just felt like it would be a more like short and to the point, easy to remember name. And it seems to have had like a pretty good response. So, and it didn't really hurt us too much. We were a little bit worried about how things were going to be changing the name, but we've actually had more attention and all that kind of stuff when we rebranded and even kind of changed our sound a little bit. But realistically, it's got to be harder to find you guys online now than by being broken harmonics. Oh, absolutely. But that's why everything, if you look, all of our stress, it says uh, harm noise. So that's like our tag on Instagram, Facebook, and Bandcamp as well. We're bad at Twitter. We haven't done that.
That was Threads from Broken Harmonics. Well, you mentioned along with the rebranding that musically there was a bit of a change in the style, but it's still post-hardcore. It's it's just a little bit more committed to the sing-scream thing. That was one thing that we really wanted to focus on. We didn't even scream really at first. We actually started the band in a bedroom. Uh, with a guy that's not in the band anymore. And we were doing this kind of like indie thing. We all played in worship bands together. And uh, it just kind of evolved. Like Ben, our old guitar player, and I were both like metal and hardcore dudes. 
so we just started writing heavy stuff and we were just like okay billy like do your thing and that is one of the coolest parts of harm it's the vocal interplay between the two of you billy doing the clean vocals and you andrew with the raw do you think that's the key to your sound absolutely that's a big thing like we sat down and it was like what do we want to do to really like define this band's sound you always have to have like a thing and like not that having a girl singer in a genre like that isn't a thing but like under oath and taking back sunday are huge for us and they both have two vocalists and the intertwining and the harmonies and all that kind of stuff just it's just always been like my one of my favorite vocal styles and i always wanted to do that so i definitely pushed that idea forward but everybody was really cool with it do you think it builds drama in the song by doing the vocals that way? I think there's a huge advantage to the call and return because you can have like a conversation. And when we first started doing it, like the last EP we did is Broken Harmonics is about our guitar player's divorce. And we kind of wanted to have like a dialogue between kind of, I guess, more or less two characters. So that's kind of where we initially got the idea of doing that. So Quiet Life is about mine and Billy's marriage and just kind of some rough patches that we went through. So it really gave us the opportunity where like parts of the stuff that I'm screaming is stuff that I actually wrote, Um, which Billy normally does write all the lyrics. But in that particular situation, we wrote it where we actually like singing back and forth to each other and having that conversation, like just trying to be as honest and real in the song and I I mean I think that definitely adds a degree of drama to it because Quiet Life is like a pretty angry record in comparison to Part which is kind of a sadder one. It's almost like you're trying to build a dichotomy between the name and what's coming across in the music itself. We always want people to think we're heavier than we are. I know that sounds kind of silly but like I think if you see us live, we come across a lot heavier than we sound because again, like we play with hardcore bands, like there's not really a scene for anything like anything like us where we're from. So 99% of the time we're the only band with clean vocals. So there's times that you don't necessarily get taken as serious, especially having a girl vocalist, which I can let Billy talk on that a little bit. Um, But we really wanted to like put our best foot forward as like we consider ourselves to be a high energy heavy band. And we definitely were trying to portray that when we made the name change and with the like slightly heavier sound for the newer EP. A slightly heavier sound, but you're still actually an emo band. (laughs) We know. (laughs) And you're willing to accept that kind of a label? We are more so now than before. We're embracing it a little bit more now. Here it comes. Stay the path from harm.
Do you think it's important for a band to label their sound? Honestly, I would say, um, I don't know about the rest of the guys, but like with me, when people ask me, um, you know, what genre we are, or I, I don't really answer them. I kind of just say, well, we kind of sound like a mix of this and that and the other, but I don't really put a label on it. I think a lot of people have preconceptions when you say what your sound is. Um, I don't like people to kind of make up their mind about it right then and there. I'm just like, hey, how about you listen to it? Figure it out. I think we were really stuck on the post-hardcore label for a while because that's really what we wanted to be. But because every time that we try to write something and try to be heavy or something like that, it always comes out different than we anticipated. Our first couple of releases, the only thing I was concerned about was sounding like Under Oath. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's like my favorite band and that's what I always wanted to do. But we actually have a small batch of new songs that we've been demoing out. And we're actually going into the studio in July um, to do a single. But we're just taking the time to like just write the best songs we can. Whether that falls under like emo, post-hardcore or whatever. There's even like some more like melodic hardcore moments on one of the newer songs that we're doing. And... I always used to ask myself, like, would this come out in 2004? And because uh, that's like my favorite type of music. But now we're just trying to write the best music we can, regardless of what label you could put under it. Well, with you talking about doing the new recording, you'd mentioned when we were setting up this interview that effectively Quiet Life EP is a sequel to the Part EP. So what you're doing in the future, is that going to make just yet another chapter in the story? Um, honestly, this one's kind of going to be scattered. I think um, the past couple of EPs, we've really focused on the concepts behind it. Um, and this one, I've been a lot more free when it comes to writing. Um, I guess the songs probably in the end will all tie together, but they're more so just about whatever I'm going through in the moment that we happen to write that particular song. So I think it's going to be a lot less conceptual than the other ones have been. Quiet Life EP closes with a song, We Are Our Ghosts, and includes this line, We all are ghosts, we're all ghosts living in our skeletons. Do you think that's something that people commonly feel? Honestly, I think so. I think a lot of us, um, we kind of get caught up in like whatever our past may be, um, you know, and we focus so much on that that we don't really kind of look out to the future. And most of the times that we're held back by things, I believe it's like, you know, our, not to be cliche, but like skeletons in our closet or like things that hold us back from our past. And um, it's kind of where I got the concept from. I, I write a lot of things and I don't really even fully know what I mean by them because um, I kind of just let myself write what I think at the time. <laughs> So I'm not good at answering these questions. But yeah, I definitely think that it's something that, you know, we all get caught up in. It's one of those things that you kind of have to learn to escape from to reach your full potential as a person. 
I know I'm the kind of person I have a lot of social anxieties and stuff like that that I get wrapped up in and growing up you know I went through a lot of different things that I didn't realize hold me back until I get further in my life and I see where they still affect me it's kind of like they're always with you but you don't even notice how how strong their influence is until until you maybe come across something that directly interacts with them
Bear is one of my favorites. We are our ghosts from harm. My family, we were actually originally from England. How long ago was it that you moved to the States? Um, I moved here when I was 11. And how long did it take you to adopt a North Carolina accent? The day she moved here to marry me. In May of 2013. And she pretty much lost her accent immediately. It'll still come out now. And again, like if I'm, especially if I'm angry, um, it comes out real stronger. If I'm reading things out loud, it comes out. (laughs) She'll use her accent most likely since she's repeating something. That's a weird thing. Like if she repeats something, her accent comes out. If she's reading out loud, then her accent comes out. (laughs) So this is your test. Hey, this is Billy. And Andrew. From home. And you are listening to The Antidote. With, wow. <laughs> See, I can't do it if you laugh at me. I'm, a, I'm not is, laughing, Billy. <laughs> okay. Hey, this is Billy. And Andrew. From home, and you are listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. <laughs> things, I don't know what it is, but if I have to repeat something, it automatically goes British. How thing is it going to be that she has an accent in that but didn't in the interview at all? <laughs> I was going to make a joke out of this because of your band name, but I will play this straight. What kind of an impact do you want the music of Harm to make? Honestly, I've always just said that, you know, I just want to be what bands were for me growing up. Like, I just know listening to stuff, especially like in that post-hardcore emo kind of genre, like it was almost like a breath of fresh air. Like, hey, like these are things I relate to. And, um... Now I'm not going through this alone. And I guess like I always try to be as honest about what's going on in my mind um, to hope that somewhere along the line, maybe someone feels that and it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not the only one. Um, I guess that's the biggest thing, just writing things that people can relate to. And if it has a good influence, I always try to leave like a glimmer of hope in certain things, um, more things that I've overcome and that I'm not scared to talk about anymore. So maybe one day that'll mean something to someone. That's all I can hope for. Nice. Well, Andrew and Billy, thanks for coming to meet with The Antidote. I really enjoyed this talk. Thank Thank you. you.
probably noticed that we've made the switch to Deathbreaker, who brought the new single, In Air. Their new album, Disconnect, is excellent. And you'll hear a lot more about it during this chat with Scott from Deathbreaker. Scott McNeil, vocalist of Deathbreaker, meets the antidote for a talk about their debut album, Disconnect. Good to have you here, Scott. Hey, good to be here. People might be thinking that Deathbreaker is a new band, this being your debut album, but you've actually been around for quite a while. We have. Uh, Deathbreaker came from the band Redeem the Exile, and Redeem the Exile had been around since around 2010, uh, in which we did release a couple albums. So we are a new band to many people, It's but it's rather described as like a new name, old band. Uh, you know, I don't know how to describe that, <laughs> but that's kind of what it is. And who all is involved in the band? So uh, me and my brother, I'm the vocalist. My brother Kevin plays guitar. We have a bass player named Elijah, and then our drummer's name is Colton. And right now we're just a four-piece. With plans to maybe be more than a four-piece? What I think we'll do is we may bring someone with us on tour, but for now adding to the band roster, I think we like staying a four-piece. We have gone through some member changes in the past, and it has taken a while to kind of find a solid lineup. So as of now, there's no looks for bringing someone else in. However, if the opportunity presents itself and God brings the right person, then we're certainly open to it. Okay, now I want to forget all about the music here for a minute, because I want to hear about the sibling rivalry with you (laughs) and your brother. (laughs) Well, it's actually pretty good. Uh, I just let him do his thing and write, and then I come in afterwards and put lyrics down. So we uh, we get along a lot better than maybe we used to when we first started a band, you know, in high school. But for the most part, it, it works out really well. Okay, high school music days. You got to tell me about that. Yeah. So <laughs> we had started a band in high school. Wasn't great. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and we learned a lot. But then that built into Redeem the Exile, which is what Deathbreaker came out of. So uh, I've been in a band with my brother for, well, since 2002. Let's talk more about the band. I mean, Deathbreaker has been independent as Redeem the Exile. Now you've signed to Face Down Records for the Disconnect release. 
Was that something the band had been aiming towards, like signing with a label? Well, certainly. Um, we had been looking at some labels, and we kind of felt like this was our opportunity. We weren't waiting on a label. We were going to self-release the album and do it ourselves if labels weren't interested, um, or if at least the right offer didn't come along. But we felt like this was going to be our opportunity now. You know, if we're going to work with a label, this is the great window to do it. So we kind of took some time and, and shopped around with some labels, and uh, we are now working with Face Down. The sound of Deathbreaker really isn't like a copycat of some of the other artists you could find on Face Down Records. Do you think yeah. that's a help when you're on a label that your sound is distinctive from the rest of the artists on the roster? Well, I think there's definitely pros and cons to it. People that are looking for the next four today may be disappointed when they hear Deathbreaker. Um, but at the same time, it may introduce people that will be exposed to something that maybe they've been looking for or like. So again, it's, it's going to work both ways. Um, but for the most part, we're happy because we feel that face down, they know what sound they want. And the fact that they like what they hear in Deathbreaker, you know, that, that makes us happy. The sound of Deathbreaker doesn't fit the typical hardcore role. I mean, it's much more melodic than most. It's almost ambient at times. But you also add in these spoken word elements. Does that help Deathbreaker stand out from the crowd? Well, I think it does. We get compared to a lot of different bands. Uh, and it's mostly that we may get compared to a band because of a quick six-second you know, part in one song on the album. But... It's that one thing that, you know, is similar to what they're familiar with. You know, we're not trying to fit into any kind of genre. and We're not trying to fit into any one thing specific. We're just trying to write the songs that, that we like to write and are passionate about. And I think that hardcore is kind of the closest thing that people can link it up with. But it's been great because it's opened up opportunities to play with other bands that, you know, indie bands, even hip hop bands. I mean, things that are completely outside the realm that, are able to expose us with them too, which is great. Do you think it's easy for a band to fall into doing cloned albums? You had brought up about four today, which I always enjoyed, but I found that each album was almost a duplication of the previous one. Disconnect isn't that way though. You know, it's taken really a more melodic approach, as I'd mentioned earlier, even to the point of having the instrumental tracks, Son and Father. What do they add to the release? Yeah, I think certainly it can be easy to come into a cookie cutter genre, whether you want to or not. If you're given deadlines, if you're forced to produce, you know, I mean, it's just that kind of stuff that can maybe produce not the most exciting album. Um, we had no deadlines, no anything. We had to be accountable to no one. We, so we were able to do our, our music our way, the way we wanted. And that was able to allow us to experiment and play with some of these other ideas that we like, specifically a lot of the ambient stuff which to touch on that, we really enjoy the part of having an album that lets you listen to it all the way through with some breathing room, uh, which is why we added those two tracks that are in there. And there's some more elements to those as well that once people listen to the album in its entirety, they'll probably pick up on some of these nuances between those two parts. I'd really like to ask about the names of those instrumental songs. Was there a significance in choosing the names Son and Father? The only significance, at least for now, that, that we're going to bring up is just that they're two similars, like one is very similar to the other, and a father and son have like a similarity. And so 
yes, there's more depth to being father and son, but I think that the for now, the best thing to say is just that one does reflect the other. So you're going to keep mom on some of the details. <laughs> well, we're not trying to be mysterious, but there are a couple of things that we'll maybe wait to talk about. The only reason I bring that up is there are a few spots that in writing these, writing this album, writing the lyrics, where God has been specifically like, this is what I want here and I don't want to talk about it yet. You know, I don't want you to explain what it means. So I don't know when the time will come to explain those, but should the time come, then we're definitely ready to do it. So um, again, it's not us trying to be mysterious. It's just kind of more waiting for for God's stamp of, okay, now we can start talking about what this means. <laughs> From Deathbreaker's disconnect release comes Blink. This is Scott with Deathbreaker. You're listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. You know what I found personally is that the sound of disconnect is, I don't know, I guess I'd say it's richer than the EPs. Yeah, uh, we definitely had a lot more time to work on it. And we went with a great producer 
uh, Matt Bayless, who had a lot of great insight for us to help us get this album together. And um, I think it was just being able to work with like a new caliber of professionalism. And what did Matt add to the recording of it itself? I mean, obviously, he's a big deal. He's worked with Mastodon and Broods and Caspian, you know, one of my favorites. Yeah. So yeah. does he actually add a true flavor to the recording? I think he certainly does. Um, I think that we would have gotten a different album if we went through a different producer. The biggest influence that I could say Matt had was in helping us arrange some of the songs. There were some riffs and some parts in the songs that really stood out to him. And he would say, hey, we need to write this in a way that we can hear this again. It was great for the outside perspective. The four of us have been writing this album for over a year. And so these songs were very familiar and, and we were used to them. So to have an outside perspective to come in and try to help spice them up a little bit and say, hey, this is what stands out. We should really emphasize on this. That's really what gave this album a lot, of, a lot more of that impact. You know, with Disconnect, I've really enjoyed the album lyrics, and they point out our personal, I guess, and society's disconnection. But they also take on a mentor role. So are you actually wanting to teach your listeners? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I certainly want everyone to take away what God wants them to take away. So whatever I may suggest or think, is secondary to what I hope God's using the album to communicate. Um, if there's one overarching thing I will say is that there's definitely a lot of negativity going on around the church today. Um, and not all of it's invalid, but I also feel like this album in and of itself is not a church bashing album. It may address issues within it, the church, but it's trying to find that disconnect between God and the church and realizing that the hurts and the things that maybe are wrong with the church does not mean that God failed you. And so as kind of a real broad spectrum, that's the overview of what the album itself is, is disconnecting what people have told you about God versus what you know about God. When you bring in that Christian aspect through your music, have you ever had people dump on you for sharing that? Oh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> and how do you handle it? Uh, everyone's subject to their opinion. That's fine. This is just who we are as being real. Uh, we're not trying to be pushy or shove it down people's throats. And we have lots of people that are very anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-church, who are Deathbreaker fans that we love and we hang out with. And so this is certainly not a pushy issue that we try to force people to believe in. Yeah, for you. Love is on the way. Cause the turn of light is at 
Breaker's songs are insightful, as was Death Breaker's producer. And so was that song, Insight, from the band's Disconnect release. The Antidote has had a month's worth of relatively loud music. That changes next week. Matt McDonald is known as frontman of the classic crime, but when he's joined by his wife, Christy, they change into the folk-pop duo Vocal Few. They're going to bring gorgeous harmonies and great stories about life on the road, yeah, with preschoolers. Man, for now, Deathbreaker's Scott McNeil comes back to share about the final song from the Disconnect album, and we'll see you again next week. That faith aspect is certainly coming up on Absence, the closing track on Disconnect. You know what? It reminds me of something that David could have written in Psalms. You know, here they are, the lyrics are venting on God, and then God responds with love. How personal was that song for you, Scott? Uh, it was 100% personal. <laughs> everything in this album is very much personal. Um, everything is written from a real experience that, that we personally have had, individually or collectively as a band. But um, there's nothing in here that's filler, there's nothing in here that's fake. There's nothing in here that's made up. People may think it's generic and people may think that it's, you know, lazy, but every single word in here has a purpose and it comes from a personal experience. You almost make it sound like people have said that about your music in the past. Yeah. Well, it is something that we have experienced in the past that again, not that we've written stuff in the past that's generic or, you know, that we feel is cookie cutter. But it is something to where we've realized that instead of trying to make something appeal to people, we feel that being honest in it and that honesty is what becomes appealing. Yeah, we definitely don't get put off by the negative remarks. That's We understand you're just kind of setting yourself up for anything like that. That's just kind of the way it goes. You've really put a lot of depth and thought into Disconnect. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate that. This album is certainly something that our whole lives have revolved around this album release. Our whole lives is in our bands and our families and our wives. You know, it's there's a lot of gravity to it for us personally. And so we didn't take this album lightly. So that's why there's a lot that goes into it. And we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. Now, Scott, I've heard that you're also a mechanic. So now are you really out to fix people with the music of Deathbreaker? <laughs> uh well, I think that instead of putting a direction on it for ourselves, we just want to allow God to use it however he wants to use it. If people get fixed by listening to Deathbreaker, then great. That's awesome. Um, but I don't want to put that on it and limit it to that. I think God can use this album in many ways. So uh, being a mechanic, yes, I like to see things fixed. And I'd love to hear some redemption stories about people who have listened to this album. So with that said, great but I won't expect it. And for people listening who are paying mechanic rates of $65 to $95 an hour, this is a lot cheaper fix. <laughs> well, listen, Scott, thanks for coming on The Antidote, man. I've really appreciated our talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. 